0: All right, something that's actually useful, we um, should finish Romans 5 today. I always say should, like something's going to happen and, you know, like we'll get interrupted halfway through and we don't, which that did happen, but Mother's Day, not here, though. we're not that important, but they, they were having the protests and churches were getting interrupted, so I always, part of me just secretly roots like that's going to happen one of these years and I get to yell at people to get out or something, but, you know, we're, we're not important enough to get protested, so. <laughs> anyway. So last week we started on the nuts and bolts of Christian living. So what does this all start to look like in practice? Which again, to summarize everything we've been doing for months and months and months, Christian living is living by grace through faith, which grants you actual peace with God. Now you need to remember that in your brain because guess what the first word of verse 12 is? Mm Mm-hmm. So then again, I'm gonna give you this reminder about Romans. There's, there's no good place to stop. There's nowhere to cut this because one, it's Paul and Paul doesn't believe in breathing. So we, um, years ago, we had a, a piano player that Cameron had to grab after like a month because she goes, okay, the piano does not have to breathe at the end of verses, but we do. <laughs> so when you get to the end of the verse, you have to take a pause before you play the first note of the second verse because we all have to breathe. He's like, oh yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> and he's a singer. He's a t- trained professional singer. And it's like, you're, but his problem is he's playing, not singing. So we get to the end of that verse. We start the next one. Everybody goes, <gasps> Here a whole congregation suck all the wind out of the, out of the sanctuary in one go and then try to get through the rest of the verse. So Paul believes in writing like that. He doesn't believe in commas or semicolons or you know any kind of punctuation at all. It's just like stream of consciousness, and that's most of Romans, like one through eight. So there's no good place to stop, so we're just going to pause it where we get chances and continue through. So because you have that, therefore, you need to know. By grace, through faith, granting you peace because of the work of Christ is what Paul is building on and explaining because he's not always going to remind you of that as he goes through there. Now, I give you that warning because you also need it for today. Today is one of those weeks. (sighs) Paul has a great knack for saying the same thing multiple ways, but then saying it in such a way that it sounds like he said something different. That's going to be this section. And again, there's no pauses, there's no breaks. So if you are not paying attention we can get this twisted really easily and very quickly. So my goal is to be the nice tour guide to point out to you all the places where you don't step off the path because that's where you fall off the cliff. So if we can do that and keep this in order, we will make sense of this and get through it together. If I can't do that, we're all in trouble. So, you know, flip a coin, we'll see what happens. (laughs) All right, if nothing else, let's dive in. Verse 12. Therefore, so based on everything we talked about last week and the weeks before that, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin. We're going to pause right there because in English there's a comma, so we're going to take advantage of it. This is one of those well-deserved ouches on Adam. And the reason I say that is Adam was given charge and expected to keep it. So you go all the way back to Genesis 2. Then the Lord, if I could read. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. This is the ultimate of human history of like you had one job. So you're in the garden, cultivate it and keep it enjoy your life, eat everything that looks like it's good to eat, except for that tree right there. And it's like, the mid- now you know what Paul talks about when he said, I did not know sin until the commandment came. That was Adam and Eve. Like, okay, we don't want to eat that tree anyway. What do you mean we can't? But look, it's so pretty. I mean, that, that's humanity in a nutshell. It's like taking the children, make a cake, and don't tell them it exists. Do they want the cake that's in the kitchen? No, they don't, because they don't even know it's there. They can even walk by and see the cake pan. They're children. They probably don't even realize there's a cake in it. Now, make a big deal in the other I have made a cake, and thou shalt not eateth of the cake that I have made. What is every kid in the house doing? sitting there staring at the cake pan, like you know, like the monkeys at the zoo, you know, drooling on the glass. <sighs> That's humanity. This is what's gone on. This is what happened with Adam. You had one job, and as the Nazis in Indiana Jones discovered, they chose poorly. Genesis three seventeen. Adam. God said to Adam, "Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, men take note, and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying." So then all the bad consequences that come from sin. I'm kidding about that. Listen to your wives unless they tell you to sin. And then in which case, don't listen to your wives. See, this is one of those great things. Guys, you're off the hook. If she's not telling you to sin, you can listen. If she's telling you to sin, you get to be the leader of your household and go, I shall not turn against my God. Get thee behind me woman. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm advising you not to call her Satan in that moment. That would work for Jesus. Probably not going to work for you. That's just some free marital advice. I've, I've been married 20 years. Take it or leave it. Get what you want. Genesis 3:24. So he drove. This is God, God drove the man out and out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So, because you have not listened to God, because you have desired the tree you weren't supposed to desire, because you have listened to your woman who was deceived by Satan, you have now turned away from the Lord your God. There are consequences. Sin has entered the world, verse 12 here, and death through sin. And so, death spread to all men. Because all sinned. Now, this is where it gets interesting because Adam's sin has universal impact. You have sinned. Romans three twenty three: For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the argument that Paul is making is what we would call federal headship. You sinned in Adam. Adam was your representative. And look, this is a bum deal. You didn't get to vote. Like you didn't get to draw straws. God picked Adam to represent you, and like we said, he chose poorly. This is just how it works. Adam failed, you failed. Now, that's really bad news in that regard. It's going to become really good news in another minute, so don't, don't run away with me yet. Now, because Romans 1 through 3 are still in existence, you still have your sin. It's not like you can sit here and go, well, you know, I know Adam messed up, but I, on the other hand, have been nailing this whole humanity thing. No. No, you have not. We've met you. We've seen your life. You are not any better. It's like that same line when people sit there and read Exodus and go, you know, if I had been an Israelite, I would have been Joshua and I would have been Caleb. No, you wouldn't have been. You'd have been Aaron sitting in the corner going, I don't know what happened. We just threw the gold into the pot and out popped this calf. It's just one of those things. God must have done it. You know, Moses just sitting there going, say God one more time. Just give me a reason. Mm. I don't even know what you said, and I'm not even going to argue it. (laughs) Luckily, I can't hear you. This is also, though, one of those reminders why you need Christ. Just like you didn't choose Adam, you have not chosen your Savior, 1 Corinthians 15. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. I'm going to borrow from all the other places that Paul says this this morning because it helps make sense of it. Because for some other reason, Romans is the complicated version, and then he simplifies it for everybody else. Isn't that fun for us? So verse 13, Paul continues. You notice there's no period here. This is one big sentence. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, this does not explain that humanity didn't know how to sin before the law came in. Adam and Eve kind of proved that, don't they? They knew how to sin. They knew how to covet. They knew how to desire. They knew how to not listen. What they did not know how to do without the law was they didn't know how to be righteous. And this is one of those things that we get messed up because we live in a society where we pay lawmakers way too much. You can argue with me about that later if you'd like. But if you pay people to do a job, you know what they're going to do? Amazingly enough, they're going to do it. Now, if you pay people to make laws, but they, we don't need laws, you know what they're going to do? Make laws anyway, because like, hey, we got to just as as the great prophet Mel Brooks once said, we have to justify our phony baloney jobs. Same idea. So you live in a world where people make laws just for the sake of making laws. Laws exist only to tell you what not to do. That is not what God is doing with laws. Remember, there's multiple facets of God's law. Yes, it is to reveal how you should not live, but it is also revealing the righteous standard by which you are. Are to live. So if you do not, if you are a sinful human being and God has not told you what you should do to be righteous, how now do you find goodness? This is the problem that is here. There's not an imputed guilt because you don't actually know what goodness is. So things like Psalm 19 help explain it. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. They're still lawbreakers because Romans 1 is true, but they don't have a standard without a law for righteousness. This is the problem you see in your world today, is you look upon the pagan world, and you see sinners sinning, because what do sinners do, and you go, why, 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 why? why? Well, because there's no fear of God before their eyes. They have no standard by which to do any better. It's like taking a pig and putting it in the mud. What's it going to do? It's going to wallow. Why? Because it's a pig in the mud, and this is what they do. This is like trying to take a pig in the mud and putting it in a wedding gown and be like, no, don't mess up the white. We're doomed here. We have no hope. This is not going to end well, because the pig's going to do what? You can dress it up all you want. It's still going to wallow in the mud because it's what it's a. It's the frog and the scorpion. You guys remember that parable? The frog. Okay. Oh, this is fun. You got, hang on. So the, the river is up, and the scorpion wants a ride across the river, so he asks the frog, give me a ride in the back. And the frog says, no, because I'm going to get halfway across the river, and you're going to sting me, and we're both going to die. And the scorpion goes, why would I do that? If I sting you and you sink, and we both die, I'm dead too. This is stupid. Give me a ride. And the frog stops, thinks about it. Good plan. Hop on. Halfway across the river, what's the scorpion do? Stings the frog. The frog can't swim anymore, starts to sink, and as they go, frog, why? And the scorpion's answer, it's my nature. Scorpions do what? They sting you. Mosquitoes do what? They want to suck your blood. This is what they do. This is why they exist. This is how they function. They can't do anything else. This is what the pagan world does. It doesn't have a standard by which to determine this is bad. Because they've rejected the only standard that would give them actual instruction. The source of righteousness, which is God. Without that standard, amazingly enough, they make these decisions constantly. And then we look at them and go, how how could you possibly do this? How could they possibly do anything else? This is part of the the explanation that that Paul is giving you in things like 1 Corinthians 2. That the natural man cannot accept the things of the spirit. He has no standard because he has no law. Now, I give you all of that answer because we are Americans. Unfortunately, way too often first and foremost, which means we hear law and say what? <sighs> we have rights. <laughs> How dare you? You know, we, we're all Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, you know, on the horse. We have no rights, we make it up as we go along. That's the, the, the heritage of living in this country. It's one of the downsides when you enter into biblical understanding is why you have to get rid of your cultural understandings when you come to Scripture, because believers don't have a negative connotation of biblical law because it is actually seen rightly as coming from God. Culturally, we have a big problem because we assume all law is bad, because again, what kind of lawmakers do we have? I know, make your own political joke depending on which side of the aisle you fall on, right? We hate all of them. I've already told you my standards on this. If they do something I like, they're good. If they do something I don't like, they're bad. And I don't care which initial is after your name for that one. So if you don't get rid of your cultural understanding and you automatically assume that because you say the word law, law is bad, you're going to really struggle with things like Romans, Jesus' understanding in the Sermon on the Mount, um, like all of Paul, half the Psalms. (laughs) It's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult for you. So by putting it in the right perspective and seeing it rightly as not just a stick to beat you with, but an actual righteous standard to show you how now you should live in this world, you can put it in its proper perspective as a blessing from God and now understand your Bible correctly. Verse 14. Nevertheless, so even though that sin was not imputed because they don't know righteousness, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Now, that. There's a lot going on right there. So let's start with the beginning first. Death reigned from Adam until Moses. Death is present because sin is present. Now, death is reigning even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. So even though you didn't say, well, God didn't tell me not to do this specific thing. Therefore, it wasn't bad. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. Because you knew in your heart what was good and what was bad. You had an understanding because of how God has created you. Again, Romans 1 is still in effect. So you are still guilty. So because you are guilty, because there is sin, even though you're not trying to acknowledge it, there is death because death is a penalty of sin. So that's the middle part. Now Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. This is where this gets real fun. You get your Sunday school answer. You got it teed up? You ready? When you read your Bible and you get to the end, the answer is, so when you see Adam, Adam should be pointing you in some shape, form, or fashion to whom? To Jesus. Sometimes in your Bible, you get what we call negative examples. So not every example of Jesus is a positive example. We like the positive example. So you like David as an example. David conquers the Philistines, expands the borders of Israel, and brings peace to the kingdom. Gee, how could he possibly be showing the works of Jesus? Jesus. I wonder, the conquering king who brings peace to his people. That's a tough one, isn't it? See, we like those. They're easy. That's a one-to-one, how do you show me Jesus? Well, sometimes guys like Ahab show you Jesus. And you're like, Ahab is evil. Like, so evil that his wife's name is still an insult 3,000 years later. I get that. And at the same time, Ahab is a picture negatively of what a king should be. So when you see Ahab and you see all of the ways that his coveting and his jealousness and his unrighteousness and his selfishness, all of these things are who he is as a king, his abuse of power, his abuse of authority, his desiring of everything that he is not supposed to desire. You should be longing for a good king that has been promised to David that is to come for the one who will actually rule and reign rightly. This is how Adam is a demonstration of Christ. As you see your representative before God, the one standing before God on your behalf and he gets one choice and goes, yeah, I'm going to mess this one up. Mm, You know what I need? I need a representative who can do what? When presented with that choice, can actually choose well can actually choose life. This is why Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. This is why he has the opportunities to rebuke Satan. This is why there are the temptations to find a different way to avoid. This is why the difficulties of Gethsemane before the Passion Week is these things are a demonstration of him choosing well, of your representative before God actually getting things right. Whereas Israel fails for Fails in the wilderness and has to wander around for 40 years. Jesus, for 40 days, succeeds in the wilderness and resists temptation. Whereas the kings of Israel do not rule well because they are more afraid of man and what man will do than they are of God, Jesus, having no fear of man because he has perfect trust of God, is willing to face the wrath of man in order to choose well and bear the stripes that are due to his people. This is how Adam is a demonstration of Christ. He's showing you what you should be longing for. And this is one of the reasons why you should be encouraged to um, actually read through your Old Testament and not just okay. There's the don't don't do it like well. Here's all the bad people. We'll just skip through the no 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 no. Read and see what humanity. See who the people of God were Because I got bad news for you What humanity was then is a lot of times what humanity is now And many times what you see in the people of God then Is what we see in the people who claim to be of God now And it's it's lessons we need to learn and be reminded of That people haven't gotten better And people haven't gotten worse People are people And when left to their own devices They do really dumb things What's the rule? The rule is always in effect. Don't do dumb things. And so you should look at that with a longing towards Christ because you should be recognizing that while I have not sinned in that specific manner, I hear really bad news for my righteousness in and of myself. It doesn't exist it's not there. While I have not sinned in that manner, I have still sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore I need a savior who has chosen well, who has overcome and who has borne my penalty and can actually give me life. That's why Jesus could tell Nicodemus in John 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So Paul is going to continue here. Verse 16. But the free gift is not like the transgression. So pause. This is why you have to remember what we covered before. You are living as a Christian by grace through faith. The free gift is that salvation. So the grace that has been bestowed upon you. The free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. So here you go. Adam, your representative, sinned. Therefore, that sin extended to how many of his people? All of his people. Christ is righteous. He has chosen well. He has lived his life unto the glory of God and has borne your penalty. His righteousness will then extend to how many of his people? All of them. Just as Adam's work affects all of his people, Jesus' work affects all of his people. Hebrews 7. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. That's a great argument that I, that we forget about the priests. Why are there so many priests in the Old Testament? Why do we need so many people? Well, Because they're going to what? They're going to die. And a dead priest cannot offer the offerings that God has commanded. So we need another one. That's... um we did this in church history i can i can't remember which college it was but i love that prior generations were just so much more blunt than we are because we have too much nicety in our world and you're probably sitting there going what do you mean we're too nice our society's mean." mean no, no no our society is way too nice we're so nice that we will lie to each other about things that are obvious so i love that in like the 18th century they're they're founding colleges. And one of the, one of the documents for the founding of the college is so that we will, because our present ministers are old and gray and will soon be dead, we need to train up their replacements is basically what the governing document of this university says. (laughs) I just love, there's a group of guys, there's a group of old pastors sitting around going, you know, you know, Bob, we're going to be dead soon. (laughs) We might want to have somebody who can do this job when we're gone. Good idea. Let's start a school so we can teach these people something. I'm in, you know, That's blunt. I appreciate that. That's Hebrews 7 here. We need lots of priests because they're going to die. They're going to get sick and not show up to work that day. So we need plenty of them to make sure that the offerings on behalf of the people are going to show up. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is also able to save those who draw near to God forever through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them you have a risen Savior seated at the right hand of the Father. That's good news because you're not hoping that there is a priest making offering and intercession on your behalf. There is. That's why he is alive and seated there. He is there to make intercession for his people until there are no people to be his. That's how long his work continues. So... Just as Adam's work affects all of his people, Jesus' work affects all of his people. 2 Timothy 1, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus for all eternity. And has now been received by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And just in case you didn't get all of that, Paul is going to look upon this dead horse and he's going to kick it and kick and kick it and kick it and kick it, kick it some more. So verse 16. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. So we're going to compare and contrast our two representatives here. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. So we're restating the same thing. This is your math. One sin equals how much condemnation? All of it. All of it. That one sin brings sin into the world. We have now all sinned in Adam. And because we have all sinned in Adam, you wake up and you do what? You sin. You have no knowledge of God. You have not had a renewed heart. Therefore, you do what? You sin. And again, we have the nerve to be surprised. So Genesis 3 again. Cursed is the ground because of you. This was Adam's punishment. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you. And you will eat the plains of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread. Till you return to the ground because from it you were taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. Now that I think about it, I think in that old joke about women in labor is actually, they're right. You know, this pains me to admit when women are right. You know that. But but what's the old joke? Every woman in labor screams what? You you did this to me. This is your fault. In a way, it is. Because pain is increased in childbirth as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve. And whose fault is that sin? It's Adam's fault. So it is your fault. See, there you go. You're guilty. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. No, it's not Eve's fault. That's the beauty of scripture is that Adam is given the responsibility. It is Adam's job. That's why the line is so important that Eve takes of the fruit and gives to Adam who is with her. She doesn't have to go get him. He's just standing off in the corner trying to watch the game and, you know, be left alone. And she's over there, you know, condemning humanity. And he's like, "Ah, it'll be fine. I don't care. I want to go take a nap. Is my chair open? What's going on here? I mean, that's part of Adam's problem is that he's not actually willing to step in and go, wait a minute, lady, we got we, one job here. One job. Serpent may be nice and all. Just imagine listening to the serpent just for a second. Just idiotic. But like serpent may be nice and all and you may love him to pieces, but no, no. This is why you're not allowed to pick the movie on movie night. You pick all the weird movies and all of you husbands just grin because your wife has forever done what when it's movie time? Like, there's no explosions in this movie. It's stupid. <laughs> Unless you're Mike, then you have a car chase to watch. <laughs> Sorry. This is the result of things. Second Peter 3. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be destroyed in intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. That's what many condemnations will look like. Because remember, as we'll get to in Romans 8, even the creation is subjected to futility because of sin. That is the result of this part right here. Being in Adam. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. So as opposed to Adam being in Christ, you have one act covering a multitude of sins. So 1 Corinthians 11, if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Now, why does God do this? Well, you can rewind to something we read last week, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this is why Paul can explain what love would actually look like in things like 1 Corinthians 13. How it is patient, kind, not jealous, does not brag, is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, this is the difference, well, I keep saying that. This is the difference between God and us. Like, like there's the list, right? Add it to the list. If you were Jesus, and you had accomplished this great work, just go with me here, and you had accomplished this great work, and then you saw humanity sin, what would be your reaction? See, some of you are being honest with you and be like, you need your Greta Thunberg reaction, wouldn't you? How dare you? It's like, what are you people doing? Did you not see what I just went? You turned into my grandmother, actually. Did you not just see what I went through for you and you have the audacity to do this to me? I have done all of these wonderful things. I've given you this wonderful creation and this is what you do with it. You know what? No, I'm not saving you. I don't want to. No. That would be you. That would be me. Is that God? No. And that's the big difference between the sinfulness of humanity and the love that is actually poured out from god is how many times should i forgive my brother seven times because that's a lot <laughs> no 70 times seven in other words you're gonna lose count because you're gonna be like mm, how many times is this joe i forgot oh never mind come on back it'll be okay <laughs> That's supposed to be the answer. Does not take into account wrong suffered. Is actually pure. Taken advantage of. This is one of the things that Christianity has struggled with, especially in the Western world the last few hundred years. How do we actually live in a world where we have freedom to make decisions, where we're going to be taken advantage of, and people are going to know we're taken advantage of, and yet we continue to allow it to happen? Because that's what the gospel demands. How do we balance wisdom with our graciousness. And it's not always fun. And at the end of the day, I keep telling you the same answer is you have to have a clear conscience before God, so work that out. You'll probably come up with a different answer than me. You'll come up with a different answer than your neighbor. But as long as you can stand with a clear conscience and answer to your savior, then I'm good. I can disagree with where you draw the line, but that's part of Christian living is making sure you're drawing the line rightly in godliness, not according to the world, not according to your desire, not according to what you would want, but according to how Christ has commanded you to live. Now, again, you can do that with a clear conscience. Far be it for me to argue with you. You stand before God. You don't stand before me. I'll worry about me standing before God. You worry about you standing before God, and I'll make sure we don't fall into the ditch. Sound like a good plan? (laughs) Verse 17. Four, if by the transgression of the one, I told you Paul was going to keep smacking this, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So, because this idea is built upon in the next verse, we're going to cover part of it. Part of this is the fulfillment of the promise being shown by Paul here. So, what promise am I talking about? John 10. Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who enter me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, we get that twisted. Why? Guess which word we misdefine. Abundantly. Because wh- what is this abundant life of which you speak? Oh, ha 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 ha. This is where things get entertaining. See, this is why, again, you have to check your heart, check your motivations, check the foundation upon which you are built. This is where, again, you should read something like Ahab, because Ahab gives you a negative example of Christ. It demonstrates to you what? When you are given power and authority. How should you not live with it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like a selfish lout who tries to take advantage of everything. And, you know, I don't like that guy. Well, we'll just kill him. It'll be fine. I'm the king. You know, who's going to do anything to me? There is a God who is in heaven. This is the warning of Psalm 2, right? Oh, kings of the earth, be careful. Pay homage to the son with whom you will have to do because you will all answer before him. So when you see that, now you look at your life and go, Well, what does abundant life look like? Well, abundant life looks like a life that's trusting in God, a life that is satisfied with the gifts and the offerings that he has provided, that is living as an offering. Now, for some of you, that means you have more monetary offering and you have less time offering. For some of you, it's the inverse. You know who gets to figure that out? You do. This is why you never see me up here, like beating you about like what you give or what you do, because guess who you answer to for that? Not me, you answer to God. And if you have a clear conscience, God bless you, love you to pieces. If you don't, you know who you need to take that up with? Your Savior who loves you and died for you. And by the way, that doesn't mean I don't love you, but I didn't die for you. I can't give you absolution, I can't make it better. You have to run to Christ. I can just give you the instruction, point you in the right direction, and hope you actually follow it. Again, a good pilgrim's progress example. That's why. Um, Shoot fire, destruction! Oh my goodness! Christian with his burden is running around the city of destruction. Who does he meet? Evangelist. Again, I love how how John Bunyan is like. I'm gonna make this really easy. The city is destruction. You know what that means, right? And he meets Evangelist. What does Evangelist tell him? Hey, go that way. Flee the city and go that way. Amazingly enough, you listen to the guy who knows God, and good things happen to you. So that's my job. That's my hope. You have to then actually deal with your Savior. And if you can, congrats, but make sure you're doing it on the right standard. Defining your abundance correctly, defining your life as an offering correctly, making sure that as you evaluate your family, your finances, your time, your energy, how am I spending these things well? How am I living them as an offering unto God? Because there's coming a day when I won't be able to do that. And I don't want to stand there and go, like nobody sits around at the deathbed and be like, you know, I wish I had napped more. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's ever been like, I wish I had taken that nap. No, no, no. I wish I had done something valuable. I wish I had not wasted time. That's a human regret. Don't worry about wasting time or not wasting time in the world. Worry about wasting or not wasting time in the building up of God's kingdom. 2 Peter 1. For this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. Now notice all of those things build out out of what? a salvation wrought in Christ. It's a build. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. In other words, Paul's telling you to what? I'm sorry, Paul. Peter's telling you to what? Check your walk. Are you following after God? Are you increasing in love and wisdom? If so, rejoice. You have been redeemed, and you will get to the end. You won't stumble. What does he mean? It means you won't fall off the path. You will get to the end. It's another great example from Pilgrim's Progress. You, are, you will do what? Despite Christians' wanderings and getting off the path, he ultimately does what? He gets back on the road and perseveres. Because what do Christians do? They persevere. Why? Because they have a Holy Spirit who will not abandon them, because they have an accomplished Savior who will not fail them, and they have a God who is building his people. This is the joy. Verse 18. So then, as through one transgression, I told you we we're going to keep hammering this point, there resulted condemnation to all men. I hope Adam never reads Romans. Like, <laughs> I really do. Like, that would not, I mean, if you're Adam, how long do you, th- long do you think he's had to feel bad about that? <laughs> like, like, you read how long he lived, and it's like, how many days do you think he woke up, went out to work the garden, was like, you know, if only we hadn't listened to the serpent. Like, this would have been so much easier. Stop screaming, woman. I know. You have to have children. We need to populate a planet here. I'm going to go pick some veggies. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, how many days do you think Adam had like that? Just, you know, stare off into the wild, you know, into the, into the nothing and be like, ah, if only. And then Paul's got to write Romans 5. And he's like, look, Paul, I get it. I messed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. So, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. So, here you go. Paul's summing up what he's been arguing for the last, you know, three points here. But, what's the summation here? The gospel message. That there is actually salvation, sanctification, and future righteousness complete in Christ. So, things like, things like Paul told the Ephesians. Ephesians 4. You did not learn Christ by talking about the world, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Because Why? Because of what Christ has accomplished. What he told the Colossians. Colossians 1. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him, talking about Jesus, all things were created. Both in the heavens and on earth. Visible and invisible. Thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So, as we mentioned last week, in Christ you have actual peace. You have actual justification. You have actual righteousness. You have an accomplished work in Christ. This is why He is a better representative than Adam. Whereas in Adam you fall, in Christ you live, and that life is all encompassing. It doesn't just mean, hey, Get out of jail free card. We're not guilty anymore. It means righteousness. It means accomplishment. It means entering into the kingdom. It means not stumbling and falling off the path. It means actually getting to the end because Jesus has not forgotten his people. Verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Again, summation of the same point. This is the hope of the gospel message. So, this is what, you know, things like Galatians 2 are talking about. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That I have righteousness, an actual accomplishment because of Christ. So, we can finish up this chapter. Verse 20. The law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So the power of Christ is shown in his actual accomplishment. So remember, mentioned earlier that the law has multiple functions. One is that you don't know how to actually live righteously unless God instructs you. The other part of that, because you don't know what is righteousness, guess what you will do to yourself? You will lie. And even though you know you should not do a... Because you do not know what righteousness without the law is, you look at A and say, what about it? I know I shouldn't do this thing, but I'm going to be fine. Like, you definitely shouldn't do it, but I, I'm okay with it. I, I can handle this. You, you know, but me, yeah, I got this. <laughs> and the person over there is saying what? You shouldn't do that. Like, it's okay when I do it, but you definitely should not do that. And welcome to humanity. They don't know righteousness. So the law comes in. We now know what righteousness is. We now know how to rightly define our sin. What do we recognize about our sins? Suddenly, how new, where did they go? Where did they go? Where were they on the scale before the law? How many sins had we committed? Because we lie to ourselves. No, we were good. I, I got this. Oh. 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 It's like you're just reading the law going, Huh. Huh. Oh, okay. And again, when I point out that humanity has not gotten worse, that they've always been bad. It's always my joke about like, you know, like the hairspray. Like every bottle of hairspray on the planet says what? Don't spray it in your eyes, don't spray it in your mouth. Like like don't chug it and you're like looking at the hairspray like, who sprayed this? Like my father for years when I was a kid, one of the like my mom did all the laundry, it's just one of those quirks. But my dad always ironed his shirts and that can of Niagara spray starch that's like this big that has that, those of you that grew up in that house, you can smell it right now, can't you? And it's like the smell of burnt tea in Niagara spray starch has scarred me for life because my parents weren't coffee drinkers. They drank hot tea. I don't know if that's a New England thing or what, but, and then that spray of spray starch is my dad is ironing his shirts as I would get up in the morning. And it's just like, And on that can, like, no, who would smell that? Be like, you know, I'll bet that is delicious. (laughs) I'll bet this is the greatest mouthwash in human history. Like, look what it does for the shirts. It's got to be good for me. (laughs) Why is that on there? Because some fool did what? Uh Oh, this is terrible. Why did no one tell me how bad? Okay, now go read Leviticus and read the things that humanity had to be told not to do. I've come up with like eight examples in my head that I will spare you. I'm gonna give you that homework since Leviticus is already on our trivia equation. Just just skim through some chapters and be like, you had to be told not to do this? Like you had to yes, they had to be told not to do this, which tells you what about humanity? That they were doing this. And they had lied to themselves and told themselves that this is good and this is fine and that there will be no problems with any of this. And now Israel is looking at the law going, ooh, okay, never mind. Now In light of that, and in light of millennia of humanity's sin and iniquity and turning its back upon God, now look at the work that Christ has accomplished and realize how much grace is there, how glorious is his work, and how wonderful is his power. 1 John 3. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. This is the what we call the proto-evangelion in theology. It's Genesis 3.15. The promise that the seed of the woman will crush the serpent and his offspring. That while the serpent will bruise his heel the seed that is coming will crush the serpent's head. Well, what's the offspring of the serpent? I don't know. The ones who are doing the work of the serpent. Go read Genesis 4 and see if you can find the offspring of the serpent from Genesis 3. I think you get it. (laughs) We'll have fun with that in a couple of weeks in Bible study. But this is the work that Christ has been sent to do, to undo sin, to undo Our turning our backs on God and to actually enable us to turn towards God. Again, 1 Timothy 1. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Now, why is that true? Because the rest of this sentence is in verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in other words, you get to the end of this and you should be having whose name ringing in your ears in celebration? Jesus. Adam. Oh my goodness, Adam. But wait, wait, wait. For every look we take at Adam, we should be reminded what? That Adam is showing us who. Christ. And as bad as Adam messed up, and as much as he has failed us, is how much Christ has been exalted and lifted up. John 1. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him, but as many as received him. To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that's what Christ has accomplished, and that's what Paul wants to leave you with from Romans 5. Now, the best part about this is, just in case you ever think Romans 1 is not in effect, see, you read that and you're like, yes, despite Adam, despite us, Christ's grace and mercy covers, and we are good in his sight. And yet there is someone in the room going, but hey, doesn't that mean we get to dot, 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 dot? You're like, no, you have missed the point entirely. See, that's why you need the tour guide to make sure you don't fall off the ditch. And that's why I said there's nowhere to start because Romans 6 is going to pick up right where this left off. But remember where this leaves off. This leaves off with a rejoicing in Christ's accomplishment, his overcoming, not just of Adam, but of you. Like it's one thing to look at and go, yeah, okay, Adam made one bad choice and that doomed us all. Great. You undid that choice. No, no, no. He doesn't just undo a bad choice. He undoes sin and corruption and the destruction of God's beautiful creation and the changing of our nature, the corruption of our minds, the degradation of our hearts and our souls. He undoes all of that, presents us before the father and goes, these are mine. These are clean. These are good. And we're in. That's the rejoicing of the gospel that Paul experiences. This is what the Roman church needs, because with this foundation, you now have actual hope in the world. Now, imagine that's the Roman world, but Christian, this is the same foundation for us. With that foundation, we actually have hope in this world. We can go out, look at the iniquity, and go, yeah, I'm not surprised. I know why they do what they do. I know why they choose what they choose. And I actually have an answer. We can actually dig down to the foundation, find the problems, and actually instruct and build up not just them, but me, rightly, because where is your first ministry always? At home, and it starts with you. Starts with you, ensuring that your heart is built upon the right foundation. What's that foundation? The glorious accomplished work of Christ for even me. And we can rejoice, and we can now live checking our lives, checking our hearts, recognizing that he has not forsaken us, and he will carry us to a good end. Let's pray.